Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena was growing on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Our videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can find the audio audio version of this podcast that drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, the audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you're typing that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, wearegoradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com for more details and more fun articles about sports, culture, and things along that line. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. <laughs> we got to get that on the big screen. Yes, uh, we do. We, we, we got to do that. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Mm-hmm. That's at WARR Media. <laughs> and mm-hmm. we are unapologetically fun. Lakina. Since, of course, we are based here in Chicago, let's start off with some baseball. Both Chicago teams uh, swept their series over the weekend. I'm going to do a 180 because we are professionals, Mm -hmm. quote, unquote. (laughs) We're going to go to the north side first. Yes, that's right, the Chicago Cubs. They swept their division rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals, over the weekend uh, at the friendly confines at Wrigley Field. Of course, uh, they are at 100% capacity now. From now until the rest of the season, the Southsiders will start uh, later in the month with their homestand against the Seattle Mariners. We'll get to the Sox in just a minute. But the Cubs swept the St. Louis Cardinals. Look mighty good doing it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Friday, they came back from a 5-1 deficit to win 8-5. to Last Saturday night on national television, most of the country got a chance to see those ugly-ass uniforms. Great caps, but... The most important thing was the the Cubs dominating the Cardinals 7-2. And then, of course, uh, this past Sunday night in front of a national audience on ESPN, they shut out the Cardinals 2 to nothing. thanks to Cal um, – Zach Davies, I Zach should Davis. say. Zach, Zach Davies. Zach uh, Davies' seven-inning shutout performance in a bullpen once again uh, held it down. Lakina, let's review uh, uh, the series going back to Friday's game. I was out doing a couple of errands as the Cubs were making their comeback from 5-1. to one. A shout-out to Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer on the Cubs radio network, 6-7 to score the flagship station in Chicago. You could tell that those fans made a difference, and both of them made, made a, a comment about that during the, uh, during the comeback, especially uh, during the Anthony Rizzo home run. Uh, it, even though, of course, I'm not a Cub fan, I will give – uh, those uh, that organization, their players' props when uh, when needed to be. This was one of those time, those times because you could tell that the the fans were into it. It wasn't a complete sellout like the last two games of that series was, but Friday's game, of course, the, the majority of the um, fans were into it. There were some Cardinals fans in the stands as well, obviously because that's the Cubs' biggest rival. But when Anthony Rizzo hit that home run to tie the game on the Friday, you could feel the energy through. Um, uh, uh, at least I could, you feel the energy through the radio and I'm sure watching on television, you can uh, feel and see the same thing. 
and, and the Cubs had the, I believe, the third best record in Major League Baseball in terms of home records. Mm-hmm. And you could tell they're going to use that to their advantage from now to the rest of the season. But Friday's game was just uh, was important. It, it, it got the Cubs off the schneid and it set the tone for their series. And, of course, Saturday's game, Cal uh, Hendricks, he didn't pitch his best, but he did enough just to give the Cubs the chance to win. He was he was backed up by a very good offense. Uh, they dominated the Cardinals 7-2. to two. As we told you guys on the show before, Cal Hendricks, he, he might not be the pitcher that he was, just like Jake Arrieta. He might not be the pitcher that he was a few years ago dominating everybody, but if he does, if he does well enough on the mound he, uh, to give his team a chance to win, he'll do it. He, that's what we saw on Saturday, of course. Uh, last Sunday, uh, Zach Davies, one of my masterful performance, uh, only having the Cardinals give up two hits and yeah. six strikeouts, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a, a, a great performance. Of course, the bullpen uh, did their thing. Uh, the, that Cardinals offense was just uh, unrecognizable this weekend. So uh, the Cubs, shout outs to them. I don't say that a lot on this program, being a professional, not a quote-unquote meatball Sox fan. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Cubs, uh, they're on fire right now. They did what they have to do. Now, am I going to sit here and say that this NL Central division is over? No. It, we're in the middle of June now, and uh, it, it's still a long way to go. But um, you could, if you're a Cubs fan, you should have more confidence and more expectations from this team from here on out. Well, they have the, the Cubs. I mean, they have the best record you know, since, I think, like May 9th. So they've been – They've been on a tear these last few games. Of the bullpen has been lights out. Like I said, I for anyone who watched that game, that first game against the Cardinals, where they were down five to one and they had to, you know, start a rally. They kind of chugged their way through, and you know, um, Anthony Rizzo with a masterful 16 pitch. You know, he was in. He played that role very mm-hmm. beautifully, and he ended up just smoking one that that tied the game. You know, that kind of sort of you know turned the corner for the Cubs now. It's just amazing that they're five and one against the Cardinals. They're five and one against the mm-hmm. Padres. As this, as this recording, they won five in a row. They have a. They're in the middle of a tough four gamer at New York. You know, against the Metropolitans. They got to. They get to run tomorrow, so it's gonna be interesting to see how and he's been pitching, pitching lights out. So we'll see how they do against him. But I think if you're if you're a Cubs fan, I think this is definitely a you know a pleasant surprise. No one was expecting this team to you know, be at, as of this recording, 38 and 27 this late in the season. Nobody had that. No one. And I think, you know, their pitches have been really good. You know, look, Arietta, you know, he's not the area for a few years back, but he's doing his thing. Hendricks, again, same thing. Wasn't, has been the same pitch he was a few years back, but again, he's doing his thing. Davies had a solid outing on Sunday, which I don't think he had the struggles with. So, like, he's starting to find his, find his groove. And, you know, and also too, like a lot of no names. You know, they're they're getting a lot of contributions from guys that you probably thought that okay, maybe they could be used for the future. <laughs> you know, you they're being used as some you know as something you can kind of like you know win with this team. Now, you know, Kimbrel's been very solid. He got his 18 state. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I think it's like near the tops in the National League. I mean, it's just just amazing what this team has done, and I think David Ross is definitely kind of like. I think Kevin Clash from the, the Rays will probably is probably like the leader in the clubhouse for manager of the year. But yeah, I think he's definitely Rossi. I mean, is definitely in the conversation what he's done. And look, I mean, look, we're not saying that this is like the, that the end of the central division is over with. No, no, no. We're not saying that we haven't seen the last of the Cardinals. That, that, that's not even, you know, what's not, you know, 
get them out of the, the woods just yet. You know, the Brewers have been mm-hmm. playing very well lately, too. Their pitching has been really solid. So it's still definitely good. The Reds, you know, you, you, we don't know what the Reds are going to be. They're up and down. But, you know, I think that the Cubs are, you know, the Cubs brass are realizing that we may have to be buyers here during the trade deadline. Now, again, we'll, we'll talk more as, the, as, as it approaches, but you're in a good spot if you're the Cubs right now. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We talk about the Chicago Cubs, the first place Chicago Cubs um, holding down the top spot in the NL Central. You mentioned some of the uh, no-name guys that come through all year for the Chicago Cubs. Just three names that came through in this series against the Cardinals last week. Jake Morasnik, Sergio Alcantara, I should say, and Patrick Winston once again. He, he came through. Jack Peterson. It's nice to hear from him again uh, as he did some damage against the Cardinals. So so, uh, Jack Peterson said uh, he was a former L.A. Dodger, a a world champion from a year ago. Uh, He said he wanted to play every day. He's getting the opportunity with the Chicago Cubs. I know he had a brief setback with an injury uh, early last month, but he's making most of of his time right now. uh, He's rewarding Cubs Cubs management for it, and and it's paying off right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the fact that they're they're using guys that are probably guys that you've never heard of, you know, last year. I mean, the guys that were you know playing their farm system last year. I mean, they're contributing. I think that's sort of like the big thing here. And look, can can they keep up? Look, we never know. I mean, it's a long season. Can the bullpen mm-hmm. light still be lights out? You know, they had like the best, like they I think the best ERAs, you know, bullpen ERAs in baseball since I believe about this time last month, May 9th. But look, will they keep it up? Probably not. But again, you know what? You're you're in a good spot right now if you're a, if you're a Cubs fan. You're right, you're right there to think of it in an in El Centro, which I, I I which we knew they would be. And I think look, look, they got a tough, they got a tough schedule. This week, like like I said, with like we talked about it the last you know couple of podcasts, and you know, we got mm-hmm. You got the Mets, you know, this week, early this week. You got the Marlins. You should be able to at least at least win the series with the Marlins. You got a two-game against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You, you can t- you help out the White Sox there, guys. And, you know, over in Los – you got to go back out west to Los Angeles for four against the Dodgers. At least try to split there. Dodgers have been playing better lately. And then you got three, mm-hmm. two weeks from now against the Brewers at in Milwaukee. So – this is sort of like your way to kind of like try to get those wins, you know, probably perhaps get at least split the series against teams that you should split the series with. And mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, maybe at least split the series against teams. It's going to be under, you know, we'll see what happens when we get to, against the Mets. It's going to be hard to sweep the Dodgers like you guys did, you know, a couple, a few weeks back over at Wrigley. It's going to be hard to sweep the Brewers because they're pitching been doing very well. Then they got to see after the Brewers series mm-hmm. from now. So, this is sort of one of those way. This is sort of one of those times where you kind of just stack up those wins. Yeah, as we said before, it's very important. You want to uh, dominate your competition with teams with below 500 records. You want to do uh, uh, play well at or slightly above 500 against the teams that are equal or better than you. So that's what good teams do. I expect the Cubs to do that, but barring any major injuries. Uh, I don't know their World Series good enough. Well, we shall see, especially as we approach the trade deadline. But right now, um, hopefully they don't fall. If you're a Cubs fan, they don't fall to a long losing streak. Yes, that happens. It's a long year. But hopefully they don't get to too many lulls because, as we said before, we'll keep saying again, this NL Central division is up for the taking. I don't see anybody running away with it anytime soon. If you would have told me that St. Louis would be this bad one game, below 500 after leaving Chicago last Sunday night, uh, I would have said you'd have been crazy. Now, 
we told you guys they're not as great as people thought they they were going to be uh, before this um, before the season. But mm-hmm. to be one game below 500, being swept by Chicago uh, as the last Sunday night, um, I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody saw them sweeping the Cardinals. I think even I didn't, and I thought. I thought they at least, you know, at least win the series. I think you would have been in a good, in good shape. The fact that they swept them, I think, I don't know because their Cubs are really good or the Cardinals are just not that good. I mean, you know, you never want to run off the Cardinals, you know, especially this early, still very early in the season. But, you know, they, they've been pretty, pretty, I don't want to say dominant, but they, they played very well against the Cardinals so far this year. And, I, and look, I think that, look, we'll see where this team is as they finish up this, as we get into like the last few weeks before the All-Star break. Like I said, I went through their schedule. You know, they have Philly, and then they have the Cardinals after the Philly series in July, right before the All-Star break. So if mm-hmm. you can kind of be at least right at 500, if you can be kind of like tinkering in that 500 mark with the rest of the series, you could be at 45, maybe close to 48 wins, you know, so, you know, 45 to 50, somewhere around there, and you could be in good shape as we get into the mm-hmm. trade deadline. As of this moment, Lakina, I want to take out this time to give props to uh, Wilson Couturis, their catcher, and yes. Anthony Rizzo. Both of those guys had big hits uh, this past weekend uh, in the, uh, against St. Louis. Wilson Couturis looks like looks like he looks like he's finally started to come come around at the plate. Anthony Rizzo, the same thing. We talked about what he said off the field. We're not going to get into it here. Catch our last episode of, if you want to. Know our thoughts about that, but as far as on the field, both those guys are, are looks like they're starting to heat up. Chris Bryant, the same thing. He leads the team in batting average with the uh, two ninety seven and so with thirteen home runs and thirty nine RBI. Uh, if this is going to be the last go uh, go around for Mr. Bryant, uh, he's putting up some good numbers right now. Is it all star worthy? It'll probably be because of the fan voting. But uh, you look at Javi Baez with fourteen home runs, he leads the team. Uh, and that department, along with a, a RBI with 40, uh, can you say that R- Javi Baez, I'm not going to say he's an NL MVP candidate, not even close, but can you say he's finally starting to come around at least close to that form? Yeah, I think he's definitely making a case for perhaps, maybe maybe not. I think he's kind of like in the leader. In the I don't think he's kind of like, I think he's sort of like right in like the top five, I think, if you want to like go through you know, the stats and stuff. I mean, he's sort of showing you that, <laughs> look, maybe he can kind of, re, you know, re, you know, reinvent, reinvigorate that MVP form he had when he won the MVP a few years back, right? Look, it's going to be kind of an undertaking. Mm-hmm. You got, look, you got some guys that are playing, you know, very well right now. Fernando Tatis Jr., I mean, you know, it's hard to, you know, not mention what he's done. And some, you know, Jesus Aguilar, from the Marlins, you know, that's the guy that probably got book coach gonna look out for this weekend. Castellanos and what he's done and and look, I think that he's definitely I think he's definitely in the leader. If you're thinking if you're talking about consistency with Brian, he's in like the top fifteen or twenty in like many mm-hmm. of the batting categories right now. So you can probably say that he could be like in that, that team pitcher for MVP, but maybe not. I, I don't know. But again, we'll talk we you know, we'll we'll no, we'll wait and you'll know, figure out the whole contract situation. That that's a whole like another discussion for another episode. But <laughs> but look, I think he's definitely like you know regaining the MVP point. I think I think also having the crowds too. I think help. You can tell how big of a difference mm-hmm. having a hundred capacity made. Because if that had been five to one on Friday and there was still like very limited capacity, like Cubs would easily won that game or they would have gotten their butts kicked. 
The fact that yeah. there was hundred percent capacity, I think they were able to feed off that energy, especially with what Rizzo did. Like a great sixteen pitch at bat. I mean, I think that rule. I think having that sort of energy, I think, can only help a team. Yeah, and and the Cubs fans are are loyal and and they're widespread, not just in the city of Chicago, but across the country. And like like we've been saying, as soon as the things are starting to open up now, and more people are are, are uh, can attend these games, you're going to see more of an impact. Uh, not just with the Cubs, but with the White Sox as well. We'll get to them in just a minute. But you're going to see that with all, with all these teams around baseball, is, uh, capacity is opening up to 100%. You're starting to see these reopening day campaigns. You saw uh, mm-hmm. with a few teams this weekend, you're going to see it this coming week and next week until the end of the month here where everybody's at full capacity. So it's, just not, it's not going to hurt. It's going to help these teams not only on the field, but off the field, uh, which these teams need to make their money. I think that's sort of the driving force, right, Sid? The fact that a lot of these teams, especially with the Cubs, you know, let, let's we we've talked about it at nauseum, but the fact that you know they should be able to get some of that money back and they'll be forced to kind of be, like I said, be buyers in a trade deadline, which if they had not been able to get back at full capacity, they we'd be talking about trading a lot of these guys. So so what difference that makes. But and I think also too, as far as you know, the the cuz I think that they're getting contributions from your top guys like Baez and like you said, Contreras, Hayward, he says some mm-hmm. comments too, but we look again, we won't talk about that. Look, go back to our last episode if you wanna, you know, we're not gonna rehash <laughs> it. But uh look, I think the fact that they're getting, you know, contributions from everybody, not just you know, the the stars of the team, but also too like sort of like the you know, the no, the no-name guys. And I, I think, you know, Patrick Wisdom had a couple of big hits this weekend for the for the, the Cubs mm-hmm. in the Cardinals series. So I think the fact that you're getting, like, contributions from everywhere, I think the Cubs, if you want to say that when we do our, mid, our mid-season MLB report cards, whatever, you know, you got to think that the Cubs are definitely going to be right there as sort of the surprise teams in a good way. Yeah, I could uh, go along with that. Uh, Many of, of uh, us experts in, yeah. in talking heads, including us, truly thought they were going to be at the middle of the pack at best, but they're, they're exceeding ex- expectations right now. You're, like you mentioned, you're getting contributions for no-name guys, not just the superstars, but the bullpen has uh, held it down all year. Uh, the starting staff is not the greatest, but a couple of their guys have stepped up, uh, has, uh, has uh, shown the way, like Zach Davies and, and Kyle Hendricks, after he's a struggle to start the year. So the starting rotation isn't the best, but they're doing enough right now. The bullpens was he- held it down for the entire pitching staff, so you had to give those guys uh, credit first. Of course, uh, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. Uh, GM Jed Hoyer, he has some work to do, but will he be able to get a, a, a starting pitcher? Everybody's looking for starting pitching. Uh, will, he, will he add another bullpen? I know most people will say, no, he doesn't need to do that, but – in this game many. of baseball, you, you, you never have too you, many. You, you, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you can never have so, too many bullpen arms. And we'll, uh, we'll, is he looking we'll at it? Right. Yeah. Is he looking at a, another big bat? You, you, they could definitely use it. So well, uh, they have options here between between now and July 31st. So, so a, little, a little bit of a month and a half away. Yeah, the think, trade deadline. yeah, it's a good problem to have your Jed Hoyer, I think, because you know, look, no one really expected this team to be this good. You know, with mm-hmm. the with the with the personnel that they have, so I think the fact that they're they are kind of right, still right there on, right there in the NL Central, which you know, look like I said before, if they <laughs> if they get those contributions, you know, they can 
They play well. They can be right there for a division, and they are. And, look, we'll see what the priorities are going to be. I mean, I know they don't want to have to – I know he doesn't want to have to touch their farm system because they just reloaded it. So, it'll be interesting. They may have to get they may have to get, they may have to get a couple of mid-level guys, maybe get a bat or – Look, you always use an extra bullpen arm. So we'll, we'll see what Jeff Jeff's pretty smart. So he worked, you know, kind of like Theo's mentor. He was sort of Theo's mentor. So he, although he does have a couple of his own sort of tricks up his sleeve too. So we'll see what he does. Before we move on, did you check out the the, the bleacher shots from ESPN on yes, Sunday? I did. Uh, with the, uh, the, the cup snake. Of course, yeah, they started it off the, here the, on the, the south side, which snake, is so yeah. silly. Yeah, the bigger yeah. snake thing. Like, it just—it it looks really. I don't know about you, but it just kind of looks silly. But look, gay, the crowds are back. Yeah, so yeah. Let that get okay. out. Uh, yeah, I know you. Those people who came up with that idea are doing it for fun, doing it for social media. I'm sure of that. But it's just like the wave. I don't participate in it. I'm a grown man. I mm. no. I'm all for people having fun as long as you're not impeding on on my fun. But the cup snake, I. I'm not going to participate in it. Okay, that's something silly for, for, for people to do, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know they I know Matt Vasgersian and A Rod or A A Fraud, some people will call him. I know they were going crazy too on the on the broadcast. It's like okay, so I'll ask Lakin and see what she thinks of it. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm I'm at the I'm right there where like look at yeah, it's juvenile, it's silly, but you know, folks. Look, people. As long as people are, you know, not doing anything stupid or saying anything stupid, mm-hmm. you know, let them have their fun. It's fine. All right, let's move over now to the South Side. The Chicago White Sox, the forty-one and twenty-four as of this recording, first place Chicago White Sox in the AL Central. They did what they were supposed to do. <laughs> they swept mm-hmm. the AJ Hinch cheating ass Detroit Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last Friday's game was a nail biter. It shouldn't have been, even after that long rain delay. Uh, Liam Hendricks blew the save, but Aaron Bummer, which we'll speak about him more in a minute, Aaron Bummer came in and did what he actually was supposed to do. (laughs) Got three outs, and the Sox held on for a 5-4 victory. Uh, Last Saturday's game, they blew out the Tigers, scoring double-digit runs. Uh, Brian Goodwin uh, made his debut in a White Sox uniform, had five RBI contributing to that victory. And, of course, last Sunday, 4-1, Four to one, the, uh, they defeated the Detroit Tigers. Carlos Rodon flirted with a no hitter again before uh, Miguel Cabrera, I believe, that had that double off the left field wall in the seventh inning. Of course, if you remember the play before, Carlos Rodon, I believe, got squeezed on the call on the slider. That should have been strike three. I'm not going to sit here and say that Rodon would have had the no hitter for sure, but Rodon has something to say at the, with the home play umpire. It was respectful. He didn't chew him out or anything like that, but. Rodon got squeezed on that call, the uh, the pitch before. But regardless of that, the uh, the White Sox did what they had to do. Tony Larusa had his uh, quote unquote Sunday lineups uh, the last two games of that series. Of course, he realized that the series, uh, uh, the the next two series are important right now. They're playing the Tampa Bay Rays as we speak on the South Side. We'll give you our Cisco and Evil review on that series coming up in our next episode later this week. And then, of course, they travel to Houston to take on the Astros uh, uh, next uh, this coming weekend for a, a big four-game set. So everything played out perfectly for the White Sox uh, uh, this past weekend, last weekend in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, like we've been saying, you know, you did, you did, what, they were suppo- they did what they were supposed to do by being a, a Tigers mm-hmm. team that they're clearly better than. 
And look, I, I'm kind of feeling like, look, okay, you, you, beat, you beat Detroit. I mean, okay, yeah, you beat, whoop to do. I mean, look, they don't, look, you're supposed to beat them. Let, let's see how you do against one of the top teams in the AL. And that's, well, also you probably say in the majors. They've had the best record in the majors since they probably around, if, you know, not after the Cubs or maybe right before the Cubs since in early May. And that's with the Tampa Bay Rays. And their pitch has been really solid and they're hitting, they've been hitting the ball well. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but, Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, you did what you're supposed to do. I mean, look, you know, Carlos Rodon has one of the top ERAs in the majors. They're both both him and Lance Lynn are in the top five when it you know comes to mm-hmm. ERA in the majors. Um, look, Liam Hendricks. I mean, like you know, yes, he's a little bit quirky, but he's actually been pitching very well. The the bullpen mm-hmm. been pitching very well. I've like I said, I've been yelling at the bullpen for like the last like month. It seems. <laughs> yeah, but it's just true. But you know, they did what they're supposed to do. I mean, look, I, look. I mean, look. I mean, um, shoot, I'm blanking on the name of the the guy that just hit his first home run. Darn it! But uh, yeah, I'm blanking on his name. <clears throat> I'll, I'll try to look it up. But yeah, I mean, look, they look. Tim Anderson has some big hits. He had you know about five RBIs. Brent Goodwin, that's the guy I was talking of, talking about. Who hit his first? You know, what a way to get his um. His first, his first like major league game by getting his home run and ha- you know Brian Goodwin, I should I should say, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean the you know that that's the kind of like the contributions you want. You know this is a, sort of a journeyman guy played for the Pirates for a while. You know the you know guy that kind of was brought in and you know he had a a, a very nice series in in Detroit for the White Sox and that romp fifteen to two. And the Dylan C's had a good outing. I mean, again, it's just a Tiger, so again, you can kind of tear for what he's eight note against them in his career. Yeah, so yeah, so that's so. But they, you know, take that with you know, for what it's worth. But I mean, look, I think look, let's see how they do against the Rays this you know in these next few days. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be really the thing of what like, can they be sort of like that AL contender that they that they can be despite with all the despite the injuries. Yeah, for this series against Tampa Bay, you have Lance Lynn who pitched last night. Of course, you have Kygo going tonight, and you'll have Giolito going tomorrow. So the White Sox have their horses uh, uh, against a, a very good team. The, the, the pitching matchups lines up in, uh, kind of in, in their favor. Of course, you go to Houston over the weekend, you'll have um, the only person you won't have pitch will be Giolito, I believe. And so you have uh, – Dylan Cease, Rodon, Lynn, and Keiko for the Astro series. Only Giolito won't pitch in that series. Series, and so everything's lining up for the White Sox right now. We know that start that they're starting pitching uh, is, is the formula for this team right now, especially given all the injuries that they have suffered this year. So it's pitching, defense. Uh, they're not hitting a lot of home runs. I know. I know a whole lot of people are not talking about that. But that's okay as long as you produce and you give enough runs to support your starting pitching staff. Uh, that's the way this team is going to win ball games. That's okay. I love the home runs just like everybody else, but as long as you win ball games and put enough runs across the plate, I, I'm good with that. And I think your know, small ball, I think that's really what's going to be the key mm-hmm. here is the, the small ball, not the long ball. And I think, look, these last you know few series that they've they've actually have never they haven't had to hit a lot of home runs because they're letting the sort of the small ball and playing very mm-hmm. smartly with the with the bats. And and look, I, I think look, I love the home runs too, but again, you know that's not what's going to win you a title. A lot of times it's going to be the sort of the small ball, and the White Sox have done just that. So we'll we'll see how they do against a very tough race team, a very tough race team, a very 
you know, sort similar. You kind of said they're very similar, sort of in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. I mean, they got a young squad too. You know, their 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 pitching has been very solid. I should say, Tyler Glass now has, I believe, has a you know, I think has like one of the tops when it comes to strikeouts. So that's gonna you know be mm -hmm. very tough for the White Sox to you know when they pitch against him, but. I mean, look, if you can at least at least win the series against the Rays, I think you can kind of say, okay, we can, we're contenders in the AL and, and look, let's see how they, we'll see how they do. I mean, like you got your, you got your gun, your guns, you know, going out. It's a pretty good, a, a pretty good, you know, and, you know, Tampa, they don't hit a lot of home runs either. So there's, like I said, they're mm -hmm. very similar. I mean, look, Austin, you know, Austin Meadows is like one of the tops in the AL and RBI. So that's another guy that you're going to have to look out for too if you're the White Sox this early this week. So again, also Houston, we'll talk about the Houston series later this week, but that's going to be another tough series. So this is sort of one of those things where if you can go four and three or at the very least, you know, you can kind of feel like this is a successful sort of part of that schedule. So again, you know, you got swept by the Yankees. People are kind of like, they're, they're kind of like prove it mode with the White Sox. I mean, <laughs> prove to us that you can be like right there and play with the big guns in the AL. As you mentioned, Lakino, a tough road ahead for the White Sox. As long as they don't uh, fall flat on their face, uh, they'll be okay. Even they do fall flat on their face. Uh, they, uh, uh, they're still the best team in the Central Division. We'll get to the other teams of the division in just a moment as we do our weekend roundup. But uh, the, the White Sox are playing well right now. You have other guys stepping in, stepping up. Danny Mendick has done an awesome job filling in for Nick Matrigal at, at second base. Will he be the second baseman uh, come playoff time? We shall see. Uh, uh, we'll let GM Rickon deal with that if he can make any moves to get a veteran second baseman in there. But he's done a fine job. Uh, I want to focus in on that White Sox bullpen. And for Marshall has stepped up these last uh, few games, including that series against the Tigers. <laughs> Aaron Bummer still have my issues with him. You know what he did on Friday was tremendous. You also have Cody Hewer, who's been given a chance, and I, you know, I like him. I really like Matt Foster. He's really been stepping yes. up. He's one of the young guys in that bullpen. So. Uh, hopefully that uh, that middle relief will be consistent. Like you said, Liam Hendricks has gotten his act together uh, over the last month, month and a half or so. So uh, I think he's he's a definitely shoe in for to represent the White Sox uh, in the All Star game next month in Colorado. I believe Carlos Rodon will be an All Star, and I believe Lance Lynn will be an All Star. So those three White Sox uh, all potential All Stars right there. Do you think among the hitters? Do you think it's a shoe in? Uh, for players like Johan Mercado or Tim Anderson to represent the Sox next month in, in Colorado, I believe they're borderline at best right now. Well, I think probably if you want to talk about the, the hitters, who has the best shot is probably Jose Abreu because of name recognition. And also, too, he has you know 49 RBIs as of, as of right now. So that's near, that's one of the tops in, in America League, of course. You know, we'll talk about <laughs> Mr. Vlad Jr. in a little bit. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, I think he's probably, like, has the best shot at probably getting in. Like you said, Anders is probably, you know, borderline. Makata is probably borderline. But I think if anybody, I think Abreu probably has the best shot among the hitters. Yeah, I agree with you there. So hopefully the one more White Sox in there. Of course, people can vote at MLB.com. And hopefully these players can uh, turn it on to make their case uh, better between now and at the end of the month. Lakina, let's go now to the best and worst from this past weekend from around Major League Baseball. Uh, what, what stuck out with you? Oh, I just mentioned. Besides Vlad Jr. <laughs> oh, besides, oh, besides, oh, well, well, hey, you're cheating. Well, you could, you could, 
Well, no, okay. Oh, <laughs> no, no, you no, talk about Vlad Jr. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. I'll pick somebody else because I'm sure you probably got him as your one of your best. Um, no, you go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll let you know. I look. I'm being a nice friend and co-host. I'm letting you have Mr. Vlad Vlad Jr. Because uh. <laughs> for what he's <laughs> okay. Well, while 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 Chin go to the across the the league and do something, a guy that's doing very similar numbers, Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. He is career first. Mm-hmm. His third career Grand Slam is 19 home run of the season. Um, over the weekend, only Adrian Gonzalez with 20 and 09 has had has hit more home runs than the player's first 50 games played in a Padres uniform in history. He did it, Tati Drew did his 49th game. So, you know, just to say that, just say with, with that, but um, I, I got I got to say that again, the Rays and what they've done, like I said, we've mentioned them, you know, of course, the mm-hmm. White Sox are playing them right now in their series. We'll see what they do against the White Sox. Um, I, I have to say, I, I mean, you know, nothing really kind of like really like sort of stood out to me this weekend. I mean, you know, the, the Mets were sort of, uh, and you know, the, the 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 Giants are sort of right there, but they kind of, you know, they had a, a tough series this weekend. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers are like right there; they're only a game back right now. The Padres are three games back, so it's probably going to very likely end up going to end up between those three those three teams in the National League West. Um, let's see, real nothing. I mean, nothing really like kind of like said, oh, oh, oh my god, I gotta talk about this day, other than who we just mentioned. But Sid, you have the floor, my friend. <laughs> I'll get this out the way since you won't say it. <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, as we told you guys, uh, they have a great offense. Their starting pitching this is still in question, but. Uh, we'll give some love to their offense. They took two or three from Boston over the weekend. It should have been a sweep, in my opinion, yeah. but uh, but the Blue Jays did what they had to do. Vlad Guerrero Jr., as I said before, he hits just like his daddy, Hall yeah. of Famer Vlad Sr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Toronto, as we told you guys, they can bring out the big bats. You have him. You have Bo Bichette, uh, Dante Bichette's son. And, of course, you have uh, Craig Biggio's son on, on the team right now. And so – I like that lineup. It's just that it's going to come down to their pitching. Will they be able to hang in the AL East race with with the Tampa Bay Rays? And, of course, the team that's struggling right now in that AL East is the New York Yankees. Yeah. Both them and Philadelphia have had a rare Friday off, so they played the quick two-game series in Citizens Bay Ballpark, and Philadelphia swept those two games. Yeah. So the Yankees um, were swept on the road. Aaron Boone went off on one of the media members following Sunday's game. Uh, are they uh, complacent to losing? He lost his mind for like five seconds. But <laughs> will the Yankees turn around? Let's hope so because we mentioned in the last couple of episodes they have uh, injury issues right now. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, we keep saying this, when are they are going to turn it around? Uh, they avoided the sweep on Sunday by winning 6-4 to four over the Miami Marlins. The Marlins are sneaky. I'm not saying they're going to turn around and make a surprise playoff push, but those are one of the teams that you, you, you can't take your eyes off. So if the Atlanta Braves are still a concern for me. We mentioned Philadelphia. They swept the Yankees in a brief two-game series last weekend. The New York Mets had their issues with San Diego. Jacob DeGrom and his start on Friday left with a, a finger injury. Yeah. Hopefully he pitches against the Cubs uh, later on this week. And so the NL East, that, uh, that division is up for grabs. I told you, uh, the Mets, they have a p- potential to be better, but uh, <laughs> I'm not a big believer in them right now. As you mentioned, Tampa Bay, they sweat Baltimore over the weekend. They're here in Chicago playing the White Sox as we speak. Uh, Cleveland uh, uh, couldn't finish the job. 
The Mariners got the best of them on Sunday, so the Cleveland won two out of three in that series. Uh, Shane Bieber, yeah, uh, he didn't look great in that start. I did watch some of that game live via my computer. <laughs> and so he, he struck out eight, but he gave up ten hits, and he pitched only five and five and a half innings. So, and it happens with uh, good pitchers that sometimes they just don't have it on that particular day, but. I believe Cleveland will be fine. I think the Sox will eventually uh, pull away from them in terms of the division title. But right now, Cleveland's still competitive. The Milwaukee Brewers, as we mentioned earlier at the top of the show, Lakina, that swept the Pittsburgh Pirates. I had a chance to watch some of their series live. So Brandon Woodruff did his thing uh, last Friday. Uh, the Milwaukee, they have a good bullpen, including Josh Hader. They're closer. He's one of the best in baseball. So the Pirates, they're the Pirates. They're the cellar dwellers. And so the, the Brewers did what they had to do and taking care of a lesser opponent. Yeah, I yeah I would also say the Angels they've won six in a row as of this recording. But again, you know they swept the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks fired their entire hitting staff, so I'm not like you know, I'm not gonna you know give them you know look it, it's nice what look it's nice that's what Joe Madden's doing right now, and I think Ota- oh you know Shea Otani has taken a, took a couple of games off for rest, but you know I don't mm-hmm. think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna compete with the A's or the Astros for the for the AL West. I just don't see it mm-hmm. so. You know, but but again, you know, look, you got a nice, they got a nice little winning streak going, going. So, yes. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, speaking of the Astros, they took two or three from uh, the Minnesota Twins. That that Twins team is free falling, free falling fast. How many many players they're going to potentially put on the market between now and July thirty first for the trade deadline? Um, uh, Joe Barrios, maybe, uh, maybe Nelson Cruz, maybe yeah. Miguel Sano. Uh, be, so who, who knows? Happy. They don't. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with the, this Twins team in terms of the trade deadline, and also Oakland too. They uh, they take care of Kansas City at home th- uh, this past weekend. I, I watched some of those games. Um, uh, this is this is a sneaky team, but watch out for Oakland. I still say the White Sox are the best team right now in the American League, but any team they can sn- they can sneak up on them. That's Oakland. I know Oakland beat the White Sox in a wild card series last year, but. This year is a totally different Sox team, so it's going to be tougher. But I'm um, keeping my eye on Oakland first, and of course Tampa Bay second. Well, yeah, like like I said, just just do your thing in that series against Tampa Bay, and and also Houston too this week. Just do mm-hmm. a, go do well this week, and you can and people will kind of take you seriously among the best and the elites in the AL. Yep. Key series that's coming up for this week around baseball. You have Baltimore at Cleveland. You have Cincinnati at Milwaukee. Pittsburgh at Washington. Of course, you have the Cubs and the Mets in the White Sox and Tampa Bay battling uh, as we speak. Also, you have San Diego at Colorado. Of course, the Angels at Oakland. That's a, a AL West battle. The Diamondbacks will take on the San Francisco Giants uh, from uh, from the Bay. The Twins will take on Seattle. And, of course, Philadelphia will travel to to Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers in the big four-game four game series. So that as be we said before, uh, Philadelphia is still in it somehow by a miracle. Of course, the Dodgers did what they had to do uh, last weekend at Dodgers Stadium, taking care of business against a young Texas Rangers ball club. Yeah, and, and look, I was afraid for them because they'd be oh, Texas. The Rangers left for a couple of those games, but uh, yeah, they ended up winning <laughs> the series. But that should be a lot of fun against the Phillies and Dodgers. I mean, no love lost between those two teams, but we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with with that. 
And one more series uh, I forgot. Uh, the Blue Jays will from Buffalo will host the New York Yankees. So the yeah. Yankees need to turn it around. Quick. Big series for both teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, if you're the, the the Blue Jays, you you swept the you swept the Yankees last time you guys played over at Yankee Stadium. So we'll see what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, in their home away from home, if you will, in Buffalo. So. I mean, you got you look. You got to commend what the Blue Jays have been able to do. They they they're kind of like been sort of living as suitcases. You know, they can't play in their mm-hmm. home stadium in Toronto, so they have to. They're stuck playing in Buffalo with their home game. So we'll see what they can do. They so far so good. They've been hanging on, and hopefully they can kind of like they they just get their pitching together. They could be kind of like right there in the AL East, but who knows? Maybe they could play for one of the wild card spots. Yeah, it looks like Toronto may play back home after the All Star break. We shall see. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, they've been dealing with a lot of adversity uh, playing in uh, two or three cities. So we'll see how they do this week against the Yankees. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, we see, since we have a few minutes left in this segment, let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, let's do it Eastern Conference style. Yep. <clears throat> Last Friday, uh, down in the ATL, as the kids would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Atlanta Hawks faced against faced off against the Philadelphia 76ers in game three of that series. Philadelphia won that game handily, 127 to 111. Joel Embiid led Philadelphia with 27 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. Trey Young led Atlanta with 28 points, eight assists, and two steals. Lakina, the story for me in game three was Philadelphia proved to be the better team. As we mentioned in our last episode last week, they did what they had to do to win game two. The pressure was on them. Uh, they go down to Atlanta in game three. They imme- immediately, pardon my mm-hmm. ADO check, he immediately took away home court from Atlanta. Yeah, I think this is sort of, I think they kind of started writing that ship. I think they were kind of surprised at how, you know, how the Hawks responded in game one. That's why they ended up losing that game. <laughs> but I think they've now, I think they've taken control, control of the series now. Yeah, I think Embiid has stepped up. If he can kind of keep his temper under control, because you saw we saw mm-hmm. what happened in Game Three. He almost he almost lost for success. So I think he needs to kind of like keep his temper, you know, keep his temper sort of like you know in check, and he can, they can kind of finish the series up. Ben Simmons needs to step up though, because he struggled the last couple of games in the series. Yeah, I know he he had a he had a bounce back game with 18 points off of seven eleven shooting. He needs to still. Uh, get better at the free throw line, yeah. four of eight for 50%, but that's got to get a whole lot better. On the flip side for Atlanta, uh, John Collins uh, had 23 to go along with uh, seven rebounds. Of course, uh, Clint Capella did not have a good game. He only scored eight points. He did grab 16 rebounds, but he, he could have done better, in my opinion, offensively. Danilo Garonaro, yes, the brother with the bad mohawk. <laughs> he was the only person that did well off their bench, scoring 17 points, including uh, nine of nine from the free throw line, but no one else stepped up for the Hawks off their bench. Uh, Lou Williams came the closest at 13 minutes of action, totally eight points. Yeah, I think they're really going to need their bench guys to kind of step up and help out Trey Young. He can't, he can't do it by himself. I mean, Capella has to play better. And like you said, mm-hmm. Gallinari and also the guys off the bench need to start playing a little bit better because if not, this series is going to end, is going to end quickly for, for the Hawks. Yes, it's going to end very quickly for the Hawks. Now, the other Eastern Conference semifinal series uh, has taken another twist. That's the the Brooklyn Nets against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Game four took place last Sunday uh, from the FISA Forum. The Milwaukee Bucks uh, defeated the Nets once again, 107 to 96, tying their best of seven series at two games apiece. Kevin Durant led the Brooklyn Nets with 28 points, 13 rebounds. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
Antetokounmpo, a.k.a. the Greek Freak, led all scores for 34 points for Milwaukee. He also grabbed 12 rebounds. Lakina, game four was ugly to watch. Kyrie Irving, as of this recording, he's questionable for game, uh, for game five tonight. Uh, uh, game five will take place at, at Brooklyn's um, Barclays Center. Uh, Kyrie Irving injured his ankle before the end of the first half uh, last Sunday. <clears throat> he's day-to-day with that bad ankle injury. He was walking off with crutches in a boot uh, following Sunday's loss. Lakina, <clears throat> I think Brooklyn still has enough to get it done, but they really did not play inspiring basketball over the weekend. We talked about in our last episode yeah. uh, how they could have still won game three. They let that slip out of their hands. Game four, I'm not going to say they quit, but it's just something just wasn't there. Even before Kyrie's injury, something just wasn't there. That second half was just inspiring to watch. Now, um, now on the flip side, Milwaukee stepped up, including P.J. Tucker. He scored 13 points. He averaged three points uh, through the first three games of the series, but he, yeah, he was one of those unsung heroes who stepped up in game four last Sunday from Milwaukee. As we said before, someone needs to help out Giannis. Chris Milton added 18 points, but P.J. Tucker did his thing. He finally decided, hey, let me step up here and show my worth. He added 13 points. Well, look, I think with P.J. Tucker, I think that's a career high for him in the playoffs. So I think look good, good for him for stepping up. You know, he had 13 points, like you said, said Giannis, you know, did what you know, Giannis did Giannis things. I mean, Look, I, I think the, for me, I think, you know, the, I was going back and forth, watching back and forth between that game and a couple other things I was watching. And and like you said, so they were, you know, the Nets were playing well even before Kyrie got hurt. So for people to say that, you know, oh, well, you know, they went down after Kyrie's injury. No, no, they were playing bad even before that. It was just seemed like they were sort of just, you know, sleepwalking and being lackadaisical and just, you know, kind of like playing like mummies. And, you know, KD, yeah. was, KD was at least trying, you know, he had 28 points and <laughs> 13 boards, but look, Blake Griffin, where are you, buddy? Where are you? Eight points, not, not, not the way to go. Joe Harris, same thing, eight points, yeah. not the way to go. Bruce Brown, seven points, uh, not the way to go. Yeah, and they, look, they've got, look, they've got the guys that can do it. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they've got the guys that go, Jeff Green, where are you? You need to step up, you know? Yeah. yeah. Al, Al, Alizé Johnson, I mean, come on, I know you scored zero points, but you know you can do better. Nicholas Classic, come on, you, you've had Look, you've had double digits, you know, during the regular season. Come on, I think, look, they've got the depth to do it. I think that they just need to play a little more inspired. It'll, it'll look, if Kyrie is going to be gone for game five tonight, you need to cast these guys mm-hmm. need to step, the guys from need to step up. And I, look, I know that there are a lot of Nets hates for whatever reason. I, I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I don't get it. But everybody said, well, look, this is y'all time now. But look, if they end up being the Nets, it's going to be an asterisk there because the Nets were on that full strength. If you want to mm-hmm. beat a team like the Nets, you want to be in that full strength. You don't want to be like, okay, one guy has a bad hammer, another guy has a bad angle. You know, because if you got to play, if you're going to play the Sixers, <laughs> the, the guys there are not going to, you know, give you that sort of, you know, leeway there. So, look, I think if you're the Nets, I think you need to, you know, win this game tonight cause if, and get control, back control of the series. And I think they can do that if they mm-hmm. can get those guys that we mentioned to step up more. Yeah, it's the best two out of three uh, series at this point uh, with the series tied at two. Brooklyn has the home court advantage. And if you're Brooklyn, you have to do everything to protect home court because and get the series over with as, as quickly as possible because uh, the entries that keep mounting up uh, for, uh, for you. So uh, you definitely don't want to give Milwaukee confidence. I just want to highlight a couple of other uh, unsung heroes 
unsung heroes from Milwaukee uh, the last Sunday in their game for a victory. Brian Forbes had 13 minutes of action, uh, added 10 points. Drew Holiday, uh, been asking for him where he's, where he's been. Uh, he added 14 points and nine assists. And so, you, and Pat Connington, eight points in 22 minutes of action. So, uh, the Milwaukee is going to have to have guys step up on a consistent basis to help out Giannis. Yes, it starts with Chris Middleton, but it's going to have to trickle down to the other guys we mentioned as well with P.J. Tucker and Bobby, Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. I know he was scoreless on Sunday, but it's going to have to trickle down to the other guys, especially with the key guys coming off your bench. So, and if Milwaukee could get – uh, a big contribution for their supporting cast, no matter what Brooklyn's lineup looks like, uh, they'll be able to win this series. But uh, I still, I, I said Brooklyn, and since I'll stick to that, but I won't be surprised at, at this point that it'll go seven games, especially uh, after Kyrie's injury. Well, the guy, the other guys we mentioned for Brooklyn needs to step up. Jeff Green needs mm-hmm. to step up. He's done it before in the playoffs. Clax needs to step up. Mike James needs to step up too. And Look, I, I, Tyler Johnson also needs to step up as well. Look, I think that the, the – look, we saw these guys sort of hold down the fort with all those guys hurt in the regular season. They need to mm-hmm. do it now in the playoffs. Yeah. It's going to have to be a collective effort whether Kyrie plays tonight or not. That does it for segment number one on Second City Sports. Segment number two is around the corner – when we return, <laughs> we'll wrap up the rest of the conference portion of the NBA playoffs. We also have a couple of anniversaries to celebrate and note, and we also have a couple of stories to share with you guys. It puts a whole lot more fun. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You're listening to Second City Sports. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can follow our podcast at War on Anger. The podcast drops every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, the audio version drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in that search engine box. W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weallregularadio.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube. Thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, 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 and tell your friends. Yes, let's get back into uh, these NBA playoffs. So discussing both Western Commons semifinal series. We'll discuss the the one that is already concluding. That's the Phoenix Suns sweeping away the Denver Nuggets. Lakina, uh, the game three, which was last Friday, one sixteen to one hundred two. The Suns took that game. Of course, Nikolai Jokic received his MVP before that game, but the Suns had other ideas in mind. And of course, last Sunday, the Suns took care of the Nuggets, one twenty five to one eighteen. Of course, Nikolai Jokic. Uh, was ejected. Uh, before then, he scored 22 points, grabbed 11 rebounds, ditched out four assists. 
the Denver Nuggets <clears throat> came unraveled, excuse me, uh, from uh, from uh, game four after Jokic's uh, Jogic, uh, ejection. Of course, he got into it with Devin Booker, was the flake or foul, and then all hell broke loose <laughs> as the Phoenix Suns have been doing throughout all these playoffs. They take advantage of the other team's mistakes. Lakina, on the flip side for Denver, no one else decided to step up. Of course, the injury to Jamal Murray toward the end of regular season finally took its toll. But no one else from Denver, as we said in our last podcast, um, um, role players like Eric Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., they were had to step up. Uh, they weren't hurt from in this series. Phoenix has been the best team in these playoffs in both on in both conferences. But since we're talking about the West, the Phoenix Suns are the best team uh, in these playoffs. Uh, they took care of Denver in four games, so they'll wait the winner of the Utah. Uh, LA Clippers series. We're getting to that series and uh, review game three of that series in just a moment. But Lakina Chris Paul, uh, as as I said, he was he was the real MVP this year. Uh, he proved his worth uh, throughout their series. Devin Booker has stepped up as well. Took a slight step back in terms of the score compared to the last round against the Lakers. But the Phoenix Suns are playing on all cylinders right now. Give head coach Monty Williams credit, who should have won Coach of the Year, but. That's a whole other issue. But uh, their role players, too, like Mikael Bridges, uh, DeAndre Ayton, they all in the campaign. Yes, folks, campaign. We can blame everything on Jim Boylan as, always, we, uh, as long as we want to, for those of you listening and watching us here in Chicago. But you would have thought that he would never see the light of day again in the NBA, but <laughs> he's proven his worth as well. So Phoenix Suns are playing as well as anybody um, in, in these playoffs. They're doing it as a team. But you had to give Chris Paul the credit as far as players on the floor. Well, let's start with the, we'll start with CP3 for a second. He became the oldest player with 25 points a game and 10 assists per game, which is in the playoff series, an all time high. So, you know, he's the oldest, you know, the best fourth quarter, you know, percentage, 84%. If you saw his, you know, shooting percentage, you know, in the last game, you know, they ended up winning it. Second best assist turnover ratio, 8.2 in the series. Since, since, of course, the turnover became official in 1978. We mentioned that in the last podcast. Third best mid-range field goal percentage at 65% in the series in the last 25 postseasons. So the fact that he's been do- he's doing this at the age of 36 is nothing short but of remarkable. And I think, look, him kind of putting this team on his back. Of course, you know, of course Devin Booker contributed. You know, like he said, like you mentioned, the other all the other role guys contributed. Aiton. You know, and you know, Crowder had a couple, hit a couple of big shots. Bridges hit a couple of key steals, and you know, and other guys, you know, stepping up to very well balanced scoring as you know, far as you know, Phoenix is concerned. But on the flip side, though, for Jokic, I mean, he basically, I guess, like slapped a campaign. That's how it ended up being a flagger. Look, you can say all you want whether that should have been a flagger two or flagger should have been a flagger one, not a two, but, you know, whatever. But unfortunately, you know, Jokic did not see the rest of that game. You know, no one stepped up. You know, Porter Jr., mm-hmm. they tried, but, you know, he tried, but, you know, it just wasn't mm-hmm. enough. And, look, you know, Jokic becomes just a fifth, you know, MVP to be swept in the playoff series in the first since Magic, since Magic, you know, the Pistons swept the Lakers back in '89. You know that's their first, their first for their first title, the Pistons. So, you know, just just a, just a, just unfortunate. You know, ending the series, you know, ending the season on whipper for him. I think that's something that he didn't want to end it that way. 
Um, but like you said, I mean, I think I think Phoenix will show you why they're the number number two seed. Yes, they were a fifty to one mm-hmm. shot to win the title, but I think if you're if you're gonna pick whoever's ends up, you know, being left, you know, the kind of like the the final four, if you will, in the NBA playoffs. If you take the Suns right now, I I don't think anybody will look at you funny if you did. I want I, I wanted to ask this question, Lakina. I don't want to dig in too much, but as soon as I said we're not gonna do something, we end up doing it anyway. I know that Chris Paul is perhaps, um, by according to many experts, is the best point guard in NBA history, not to win an NBA title. Of course, for his personal sake, he hopes to not uh, his name not to remain on that list, uh, given the playoff run he's had with the Suns team. But I want to ask you uh, to throw out a couple of names offhand without using Google. Uh, if, if Let's just say Chris Paul, assuming that he wins the title this year with the Suns, which would be remarkable. Mm-hmm. Who, in your opinion, will be the best point guard not to win an NBA title? Assuming that Chris Paul wins it all this year with Phoenix. Oh, boy. Um, Jeez, that's a a point guard. Hmm. That's, uh, hmm. At this point, I know he got hurt. Would you put Jamal Murray in that list? He's not really a point guard. Yeah, I know. He's more of a shooting guard. Um, you know, Mitchell's really a shooting guard. He's not really a point guard either. So who, who, mm-hmm. what, what is the definition of a point guard, though? I mean, who is sort of like, do you want to put D. Rose on there, you know, with his injury issue? You could. You could. Yeah, you could. Probably put him in yeah. there. Um, I'm trying to think who else, you know, a point guard. Uh, I do you really, put Russell Westbrook in there? Is Westbrook, is Westbrook a point guard? Or he's more of a shooting guard, I think. He is, but you know he's played point guard the majority of his career. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, he did, yeah, he did point guard when he was at UCLA for about ten minutes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you probably put Westbrook. I think Westbrook would probably be like be on that list at the top tier of that list. Maybe you you put D Rose on that list too. I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. like, who else could you put on that list? That's like a point. That's actually like a, a true point guard. There really aren't that many. I mean, jeez. I mean, yeah. I think Tatum. Tatum's not at that at that point yet. We could probably say he's still very no. young, so you really can't put him on the list. Um, yeah, he's not a point guard either. So. No, well, yeah, and I, neither is Zach. I mean, look, most of the guys you mentioned are more shooting guards than they are point guards. So I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know who would you put on that list at this point. Obviously, Russell Westbrook for me would be on that list. Thanks for bringing his name up. He'll be mentioning another story later on the in the show. Um, that he's doing outside of basketball. But getting back to this list real quickly, uh, John Stockton, I know he wasn't a big scorer, but uh, he's up there. He, he's never won a ring. He's played in two uh, He played in two NBA finals. Of course, they lost both of them to the Chicago Bulls. We'll mention that series in just a moment here as we go along in, on, in this segment of the show. But I will put John Stockton up there, of course. I will put Tim Hardaway up there. I know he never played in the NBA final, but – uh, even after that's his injury uh, toward the, uh, um, where he eventually got traded to the Miami Heat afterwards, but he still had a very c- good career. He played in a couple of conference finals, including one of them against the Bulls in 97. So I will put Tim Hardaway up there. Uh, I kind of struggle with this name, even though he, he had attitude issues, according to some people. I think as far as he'd gotten was the conference final, but Rod Strickland, he has the numbers, especially in the assist department. I think he's still top 10 all time. In the assist department? Uh, well, look, Sackton, I'll give you, 
Hardaway, I think the problem was that they broke up that team too early. That that those Warriors teams in the early nineties, I think they broke up that that. Well, I agree. I agree with they, you on that. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. they broke up. They broke up that core way too early. Strickland, I know. I think he went to. Didn't he go to a, a conference finals with when he was with Portland? Wasn't he? Wasn't he in the uh, the ninety two NBA finals? Wasn't he on that team at Portland? Team? No, he came in the year later. Okay. Yeah, he came in a year later. Okay. Yeah, they were all. Like, yeah, he was. All... He came in a year later. Okay, so yeah, I'll give you Stockton. Like I said, Westbrook. I was gonna. You want to put Westbrook as like current? You know, if you want to do current players, mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but you know, like Hardaway. I guess, like I said, I think that was more a self-inflicted wound on the Warriors' part because I think, like I said, those Warriors teams were broken up too quick. But again, that's a whole nother um, issue. That's in the whole nother mm -hmm. story for a whole nother episode. But. Yeah, I'd probably be, yeah, I would say maybe what Stockton, Westbrook, then Hardaway. I, I really, I, those are probably like my top three, I think. I'm going to give you one more name. I've been, I was wrestling with this name when I thought about this topic a couple of weeks ago. And unfortunately, injuries uh, derailed his career. He played in the league for a long time, but injuries got the best of him. He did play in one NBA final. And that's Penny Hardaway, Anthony Penny Hardaway of the Orlando Magic. Now he definitely would have been a Hall of Famer if it wasn't for those knee injuries, and they would Orlando would have kept Shaq. They definitely would have won a title. But I I, I want to put him on that list, but just too many injuries. He did go to to the playoffs a few more times in I his career, but he I, never got past the second round. I I wouldn't put him on that list. I I like him. That's a what lot. I was saying. I debated because of the in, only because of the injuries. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I only would, because of injuries. I wouldn't. But up until that time, I would say you've been one. You've been like top five for me, one of the best point guards never to win an NBA title. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put him on. Look, I love I love mm -hmm. Penny, and we'll see if he gets back into the league as a coach. You know, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't put him on that list of uh, you know best point guards to now win a title. I, I like I like the top three at that that I had. Now, look, if you want to mm -hmm. add Strickland in there, <laughs> that's fine, but. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Penny on there. All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> let's since the Phoenix Suns will get their rest. Uh, they'll, they'll, as we mentioned before, they'll await the winner of the Utah Jazz and LA Clippers series. In our last episode, Lakina, uh, the Utah Jazz did what they had to do in terms of uh, holding serve on their home court. Uh, last Saturday night in front of a national audience, the Clippers got back in, into the series with a 132-106 to 106 victory. Kawhi Leonard led all scores with 34 points. He added 12 rebounds, dished out five assists. Donovan Mitchell still continued to play with that bad ankle, which he suffered on the collision with Paul George towards the end of game two. Added 30 points, five rebounds, and four assists for Utah. Lakina, did the Clippers surprise you what they did in game three? Uh, I wasn't surprised. Welcome to the welcome to the Western Conference semifinals, Paul George. I mean, I think that I think that's sort of like a you know we've been waiting for this for like for years it seems. You know, then he finally mm -hmm. stepped up. I mean, 132 points. It's got to be like one of the tops. You know, in the playoffs. You know, definitely, especially you know with the Clippers franchise. Look, they need more of that. They they need to do they need to need to they need to do more of that they needed you know Kawhi did his thing he had twelve rebounds thirty four points in game three but you know Paul George kicked in with thirty one but they need more of that and you know look Marcus Morris senior you need to step you need to step up Nicholas Batum keep doing what you're doing you need to step a little bit more same thing with Reggie Jackson mm -hmm. 
Also, your guys off the bench need to start. Yo, Pat Beverly, where are you? Let, let's, you know, you've done, you've been able to do it. Well, before. he has seven points, so it's a start. <laughs> yeah, seven whole points. Yay! <laughs> Yippee! For him, my God, Luke, Luke Kennard. I mean, the look six points. You know, look, you you got like, a couple of quick, quick three points, kind of seal the win. But look, you can do more too. So, and we'll see if that ankle injury of Mitchell's. You know. He, he mm-hmm. still scored 30, but you, you hope that that's not become an issue for him, you know, as the series goes on, especially if it does go six or seven, like this series will probably, I think it, sh- it probably will end up going six or seven. So that's going to be here. an injury. That's the injury that's probably, hopefully doesn't in- injure it worse as soon as, because we've seen with some of the other injuries and, mm-hmm. and such. So yeah, hope that that's not, that's something to kind of keep an eye on there too. So if the Clippers can kind of sort of like get, you know, kind of like win game five, game four, I should say, and just, you know, kind of, you know, seize a moment and perhaps maybe make some defensive stops too. I know that, I know it's going to be hard, but you're going to have to defend the three better <laughs> against the Jazz. I know they're, look, I think they were like one of the top, you know, three-point shooting teams in the league mm-hmm. this year. You need to kind of help, you know, control the defense of that three a little bit better if you want to kind of like, you know, kind of stop on their throat and, you know, we'll see what they do in game four. It should be interesting. Yeah, it should be interesting. And also on the flip side for Utah, their role players didn't step up as much uh, in game three. Of course, Bogdanovich only had nine points. Joel Ingles stepped up finally with 19 points, carrying the momentum that he had in game two. Mm-hmm. Also, Derek Favors only had two points. Jordan Clarkson was the only person that really did something off the bench with 14 points, even though he struggled on five or 16 shooting. He was the only person that did anything off the bench for Utah. And so it's going to have to be a collective effort, like you mentioned, Lakina, especially with the, given the injury to Donovan Mitchell's ankle. Of course, Rudy Gobert is not a scorer, but he gave you another double-double with 12 points and 10 rebounds. But uh, the other scorings will have to come from outside of just Joel Ingles. Bajanovic is going to have to have a good game. Of course, Jordan Clarkson will have to continue his hot scoring streak. And so... Uh, it's going to have to be a collective effort once again for Utah if they want to wrap up this series. Well, I think they're going to – like it's – well, yeah, I mean, I think definitely. I think if they can kind of like take control of the series with their three, I think they can. If the Clippers can mm-hmm. do a better job of defending the three against them, I think they could kind of be – so it's going to be dependent on like who can kind of like, you know, mesh their styles and sort of like, you mm-hmm. know, make you know make the other team kind of like not rush. So – We'll see what they can do. I mean, it should be – look, I had this series going six or seven. I still think it's going to go six or seven. So we'll see what the other – you know, what each team can bring to the table as the series goes on because the Suns are going to be chilling for a little bit. And, you know, Chris Paul, yep. you know, with a whole week's worth of – whole week's rest, I mean, he might, yep. he might be like – like I guess, someone, I guess someone tweeted that he might be back in the days at Wake Forest. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, we shall see. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakini McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Uh, before we get to uh, my big story, Lakini, he had a couple of updates on the French Open tournament. Yeah, Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Novak Djokovic. Congrats to him. Won his 19th Grand Slam, his second French Open. Uh, he faced Stefano Sipsadis. Yay, I actually said his name right. Yay. Uh, yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm looking for like the last, this man has, this is like his second Grand Slam final. I, and I actually, you know, didn't screw up his name this, this time. Yay. But, you know, he came, you know, Novak came back from three, three, you know, two sets down, was able to win in five. And just, in the, just an amazing, you know, last, you know, couple of, 
the la- last couple of you know matches for him, you know, beating the doll, mm-hmm. you know, in that classic four four set match, and that I, I guess I cheated because NBC, you know, our feed was here in Chicago in the Midwest was like an hour behind, so I cheated and went to the tennis channel and actually. It actually, you know, the, the guys there, you know, the, the people there actually put, you know, put together a really good match there. But, uh, but like, I think the Djokovic, I think, is kind of like he's one behind, you know, Nadal mm-hmm. and Federer. So he's kind of like right there. He's only his second French Open. But the fact that he was able to beat Nadal, which sort of like he had the one like 14 prior, and the fact that he was able to kind of come back from two sets, two sets down to a very formidable opponent like Cespedes and actually ends up winning the title. I mean, actually, actually ended up winning and dominating fast. He kind of dominated those last couple of sets. It's just nothing short of, you know, incredible. And also, too, uh, I read that a couple of players that, uh, that pulled out of the, uh, uh, the warmer tournament before Wimbledon, of course, Wimbledon takes place uh, in, uh, in late June going into the, uh, the, the July 4th holiday here in America, in mm-hmm. England. Uh, do you think that 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 the Wimbledon will still be watched by a whole lot of people. Or do you think they'll lose at least a little bit of this lesson that a couple of their, their primetime stars won't be participating? Yeah, look, the, look Wimbledon is always, you know, the, you know look, Wimbledon is always like a, a premier event. So look, they, they, this has happened mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, yeah, they've had you know, a couple. They've had you know top players not play because of injuries, or in you know Osaka's case, taking a mental break, and you know who deserves to do it. It's, it's still, Serena's still there. Federer, you know, is still there. Nadal's still there. I mean, you still got some of the top players that are there. We'll see how Coco Golf went all the way to the quarters in the French Open, and actually losing to the to the, um, the the young lady who won it all. Look, I think it's still it's still a premier event, especially since there was there wasn't one last year. So let's yeah, yeah I, I think that's going to be like a sort of a big thing. You have like one of the premier events in tennis, you know, back at it and it's going to be not, not full capacity, but it's going to be kind of like, I think for whatever, like about 60, 50 to 70%, depending on how, you know, it's going to be vaccinated and such, you know, we'll get into all the hubbub there, but look, I, th- I still think it's going to be a premier event. I think, look, especially since there wasn't one last year, look, we'll all talk about the Euros in a little bit, but look, I think, I feel like, you know, look, it's good. Look, people are going to watch it because you know, it's going to be on ESPN. You're going to get live tennis, you know, in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to be right there for it. Yeah, I just remember myself growing up. I'm not the biggest tennis head in the world, but I remember watching that growing up along with the U.S. Open, which is another big Grand Slam event, which takes place around Labor Day weekend uh, in uh, in New York City, just outside of New York City. So uh, uh, hopefully that, you know, tennis needs their stars. And as you mentioned, a couple of names that are pulled out. Oh, hopefully, they'll have enough to, to carry through since we didn't have one last year. And so hopefully, the, the game of tennis will, will shine brightly as, as one of the um, big tournaments return. And I also want to give a quick shout out to Barbara Krechakova. She completed the rare sweep, winning both the women's <laughs> tournament. Of course, like I said, she beat, you know, Google Golf in the quarters and also win the doubles with fellow country, Czech countrywoman Katarina Snedekova on on Sunday, the last person to do that was uh, Mary Paris, who did it both times. 
you know, in 2000 for the women. So congrats to her. She had a nice little win. And, you know, I love her comments afterwards. You know, she grew up watching Jan Novotna, kind of like the, sort of the, the you know, the, sort of the renaissance of tennis. You know, she kind of helped put tennis in the, on the map for the Czech Republic. So to have mm -hmm. that she's been able to kind of now add her name to that list. You know, in fact, also she ended up winning both the, the, the women's doubles too. So want to give a shout out to her and she deserved it. She, she played great all the whole tournament and she's actually now in the top 20. So, you know, mm -hmm. she got about, got a million, like about almost $2 million also, you know, actually 2 million plus to, you know, you know, counting the, uh, the, the doubles, the women's doubles title that she won. So, you know, a great week, of ten week two weeks of tennis for her. Also, too, in other international sports news, a soccer player passed out over the weekends and, uh, and resting comfortably. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the Euros, Christian Eriksen, who's one of the top players for Denmark, you know, in their, you know, in their match against Finland, this happened on Saturday. I was watching the match. He collapsed. I was actually kind of like, you know, looking down on my phone because my, you know, my mom was messaging me because she went to graduate a couple of her, the kids. She, she taught graduate high school over the weekend. And, you know, mm -hmm. she was sending me pictures. And then I looked down. And then, like, when... I looked up, there were like a whole bunch of, you know, Danish players around somebody. And I actually just listened, just watched like prior to, you know, he was just, he did a throw in, you know, they were setting up and then this and that. And, mm -hmm. and when I looked up, I saw like he had collapsed and then I went back, you know, thank you, DVR. He had collapsed. I went yeah. back and there was nobody around him when he just, he just collapsed. And it was just scary, a scary moment. And for, and Reese Davis, who was doing the Euros for ESPN, yeah, you know, he mentioned this, you know, because you know he he saw it too, and we all did. You know, it kind of reminisces of what happened to Hank Gathers thirty plus years ago. I was just getting ready to say that in Reggie, the late Reggie, the late Lewis. Reggie Lewis, yeah, and you know he, you know, both of them collapsed, and and you know Gathers unfortunately died later that night, and um, I think I think Lewis, I think was still like you know he was in the hospital for a few days, but then he ended up passing away. And in the case of Mr. Yeah, Erickson, doing it all season in '93. Yeah, yeah, and the, during and with Mr. Erickson um you you saw what the danish doctor their doctor said that he he was he was gone he was dead he was he he was dead he was dead for he didn't say how long but he was dead for a few seconds so it was literally like an instant and it was literally like seconds until you know and who knows what would have happened you know god you know thank god you know who knows what would have happened had they had not done the CPR. Mm -hmm. They had used a, def a defibrillator on him, and he was able to kind of get back in constant. Last I checked, he was still stabilized and resting comfortably. And, you know, look, Denmark had a really tough um, – they had, like, a very tough go at it because they were kind of forced to choose whether to play, continue playing, or go, you know, wait until tomorrow to play. Or I saw an interview with Taylor Twelman. You know, he, he tweeted out that one of the – you know, a reporter who's at, you know, covering yours for Good Morning Britain – said that they would have forfeited it if they had not, you know, agreed to either the other two choices. So, you know, your way for, you know, I won't, I won't get into it because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to bore Sid and now we'll be talking about it for like, like 30 minutes, but it's just, it's just, you know, um, remarkable that it would have been a totally different story had he had not passed away. And you saw how shaken some of the Danish players were and <laughs> Finland in the win that match is their first, is their first win is a first win in any kind of, you know, Euro or World Cup, you know, soccer. So, you know, congrats to the Finland. And you saw the crowds afterward. These are two Nordic nations that don't really like each other, but they were able to kind of like, you know, come together and in, you know, solidarity and support for one of their top players. Also, Romelu Lukuku, who plays for Belgium, you know, he had two goals. He won the goals. He said, I love you, Christian. They play in a club league together in Inter Milan in Italy. So he spent a lot of time with him and his family. 
because of course, you know, they'd be opposed to travel restrictions. He couldn't travel to see his family. So he spent a lot of time with them. You know, he saw, we all, you know, if you guys saw Christian, you know, on the first, his first goal, he scored, you know, Christian, I love you. And, you know, they gave a kiss to the camera. So just how much this would affect had it been a totally different situation. Now, as far as the coverage is concerned, I mean, look, you, look, ESPN, look, they're, they're being fed to what we're seeing. So for people to kind of criticize ESPN for why they kept showing it, blah, blah, blah. Look, they, they had to speculate of whether or not they, they were guessing on whether or not the guy was going to pass away, Eric's, I mean. So, you know, they kind of, and I, and I, and I hated that, that Taylor Twom, who's one of my favorite uh, people at ESPN, he kind of had to sort of, was trying to egg on. Look, I, I think he didn't have to do that. He, he should have just left it alone and just, he actually ended up, you know, calling that Belgian Russia king. That's why he was off of the, you know, the sit down that they do, like, in between matches. But, you know, I know, you know, I know you don't follow soccer, <laughs> but it was just a, just a crazy, just a crazy weekend. And, you know, the, the, the Euros have actually really good so far. So if you, know, if you guys don't have a chance, you know, check it out because it's going to be on ESPN's Family Networks for the next few weeks. Also on ABC as well for the next, like, like, like three or four weeks. So make sure to check it out. But just would be a totally different story if, Mr., if you know, Christian Erickson had passed away. Yeah, thank God that he's okay and hopefully he'll get back, um, get back on the field quickly. But most importantly, you know, he's healthy for the, for the rest of his life. And so he's resting comfortably. Hopefully you um, get back at it very soon. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. We have a few minutes left as we uh, get down to the home stretch here on today's program. Lakina, a couple more anniversaries for uh, the Chicago Bulls. Of course, we talked about the anniversary of the first championship in our last episode. Of course, uh, uh, the, as of this uh, recording, uh, it's the 29th uh um, anniversary of the second championship with the mm-hmm. Bulls and the Portland Trailblazers, of course. If you guys remember, game, uh, game six at Old Chicago Stadium, the, the Portland Trailblazers led the Bulls by as many as 17 points, 15 in the fourth quarter. Of course, the Bulls had their historic comeback and won their second title, uh, their first title uh, in front of their fans, of course, the title before they won on the road in Los Angeles. And, of course, um, the, the anniversary, uh, you can help me out, Lakina, the 98 mm-hmm. anniversary title, I believe, is not t- quite 25 years yet. Yeah, it's but about, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's about, like, 20, it's 23, I think, if I'm not 23, you may be already 23, yeah, yeah uh, of the Bulls Jazz game six uh, in 98, of course, mm-hmm. Jordan's last shot uh, as a member of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I want to flip this over, not to the Bulls. We can sit here all day talking about the Chicago Bulls. Of course, you guys haven't looked at Lance Dance. Go look at it. It'll give you this perspective from their vantage point. But I want to flip it on the on the other side, Lakina. I'll go to the 92 championship first, Lakina. The Portland Trailblazers, I remember writing an article a few years ago. I believe you can still find it at rerregalradio.com. Shout out to NBA TV. They did this episode about a year or so ago uh, talking about the Portland Trailblazers, how they were built yes. in the late 80s into the early 90s. Uh, I had, uh, during that, uh, writing that article for rerregalradio.com at that time, I believe I put the 92 Trailblazers team up there is one of the, my top teams to never uh, win a title. I remember myself along with Ken, Kenneth Davis from now that Davis show, but at the time we were doing a Dean Davis show, and we were talking about it. I said that 1990 team from Portland that lost their pisses, they had to be uh, up there as well. But that 92 team, they was ready uh, to win a title. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan, they probably would have won a title. Of course, Clyde Drexler was at the prime of his career. Of course, he got one three years later uh, being traded to the Houston Rockets. But, yeah, Terry Porter, one of the best underrated uh, point guards in history. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this segment, uh, last segment, but Terry Porter was very good. The late Jerome Kersey, 
who played very physical, not to the level of Xavier McDaniel, but the late Jerome Kersey, he was very good. Him and Scotty went at a few times in that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late Kevin Duckworth, who was the starting center, who's from downstate in Illinois. Uh, he was very good. He was actually, uh, a, a, I believe, a two-time All-Star, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. I know uh, um, he played in a couple of those All-Star games. Of course, uh, he had a young player who was traded in that offseason to Denver named Robert Pack. He didn't get any run uh, during that final series, but he was one of the young guys on the team at that time. Uh, also, you had Danny Ainge on the 92 Portland team. Of course, he went to Phoenix a year later. He, Him and Jordan got at it a couple of times during that series. Mm-hmm. So he remembered game two of that. Uh, yep. Blazers Bulls series, of course, Danny H took over in that overtime after Cloud Drexler fouled out. So, and Buck Williams, that, uh, he was on that team as well as the starting power four. But that that was a very good Portland team. And yeah. um, people, many outside of Cloud Drexler, not too many people give them uh, uh, give them credit. I'll just overlook them. Yeah, I've always thought that those Portland teams from those late '80s, early '90s Portland teams didn't get their due. I'm glad <laughs> that Rick Allen is finally going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think that I really felt that those teams don't get you know remember the you know just a few years prior they got swept in the uh, in the finals by Detroit a couple of years prior to that you know so I mean I I think look I always felt that that Portland team and they were kind of like right on the cusp that they hadn't circumstances Mm -hmm. they didn't had to deal with the Lakers a lot and had they not had to deal with some of the other if they had done like a few other moves, I think they probably could have won a title during that era. Cause it was such a, it was such a mm-hmm. short lived era too, unfortunately. I think that's probably why people don't remember. Cause it was only, it was only there for a short time, but I, f- I feel like, you know, as a player, as you mentioned, I think that that team probably is probably one of the top teams that you could probably say they're kind of like right there. The top two or three teams that didn't win a championship, one of the best teams mm-hmm. to not have won a championship. So I mean, I think that that particular series, I think they ran into a buzzsaw and Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and they were kind of on a mission. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think anybody knew. Maybe Jordan did, but I think anybody, no one else knew that this was going to be like a sort of a dynasty. And, you know, look, you, there were some other things that probably mm-hmm. changed had they not, you know, had structure not fouled out. Who knows what would have happened? And maybe a few other yeah. moves that probably could have been made. If Maybe if Robert Pack had played more, maybe he could have gotten one of those, could have been become one of those unsung heroes in the finals, mm-hmm. but that turned out not to be. So, yeah, I think, look, I'm glad that the those Blazers teams are finally getting their due because I always feel like they haven't. And yeah. Look, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad Rick Mount Allen is finally getting into the Hall of Fame because I feel like he was one of the reasons why those Portland teams – have done did as well as they did going all the way back to the NBA doing the NBA finals in like a, a five year span, so four or five year span I should say. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. glad he's finally getting his getting his due in that respect. But yeah, I, I, look, I think that you know if 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 Jordan hadn't not you know gone hadn't you know gone crazy in that first game, you because know, look, I think that the game that game was really close for a while. People forget early on and that that game yeah. one, that game was actually really close until you know yeah until, uh, you know, Jordan kind of took it up a notch. So I, I think that if, if parameters had kind of, you know, switched around, who knows? But, again, I'm glad that I'm glad that those those Portland early early 90s teams are finally getting their due. Yeah, hopefully they have it right, uh, have that program that NBA TV did uh, uh, the, over a year ago. If you can check it out right here on YouTube, please Google that. Uh, uh, that, it was a very good uh, half-hour special. Also, too, RIP Uncle Cliff, a.k.a. Cliff Robinson. Yes. He was on those teams as well. He actually brought the headband back uh, <laughs> for the NBA players in the 90s. I know Inside Stuff uh, did a, a 
a special feature on him on that back in the day. So he also he was a one-time All-Star as well. Uh, so uh, he was a very good player, uh, six-man coming off that bench for Portland. Actually, one of the first few big men to uh, consistently um, at the jump shot um, uh, um, to his game. Of course, Kevin Garnett now in the Hall of Fame. You know, he added that jump shot, especially mm-hmm. later on in his career, not just with the Minnesota, but with Boston as well. Also, also too, uh, th- though, I forgot, that's just a name that just escaped me as far as big man and a jumper to their game. But, yeah, Cliff Robinson started a, a, a trend that he doesn't get credit for. Shout out to our guy, Brander Scoopy Robinson, now who's the NBA analyst for Bally Sports. And I remember he said in one of his Instagram posts that Cliff Robinson actually started that with the – he was a 6'9", 6'10", guy, a big man shooting jumpers from the outside and for, this, uh, for the generation to come uh, for those types of players in the NBA. Yeah, we remember Cliff Roberts a couple of podcasts back. I mean, I kind of mm-hmm. feel like he doesn't he doesn't get his due either. Mm-hmm. Like, think he kind of helped sort of facilitate that the Portland teams also too. Also, in a lot of ways, kind of put UConn on a map when he was in college. I mean, when Jim yeah. Calhoun when Jim Calhoun played, you know, came on to coach them a couple of years. You know, there I don't think I don't know if there were the rumors were that he was going to transfer up about Cliff Robinson, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think he probably would have left. But you know. Coach Cunningham got him to stay, you know, play the rest of them. He actually became a better – he actually has said he became a player, better player thanks to Jim Calhoun. They ended up winning the postseason at NIT, and I think in 89 – 88 or 89 in his senior year. So he kind of mm-hmm. helped sort of change his game. Like you said, he had ended up having a pretty good NBA career. So, so fortunately, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but I think he, there's going to be a lot of, like, lobbying for him to be in the Hall of Fame because I think that he kind of – he sort of, like, you know, kind of, like, changed sort of the, the big man, you know, game with that – with adding that jumper, that mm-hmm. long-range jumper. You know, because at that point, you know, big guys were just, you know, there to kind of like just be kind of like the, the rim protector and the, the you know, kind of like they yeah. were uh, protecting that sort of that, that rim and that, you know, that sort of like circle around the little small circle around the rim. You know, there was, there were, yeah. they were supposed to shoot three pointers or, or long range shots. Clifford Robinson kind of changed that. So, you know, another guy that doesn't get his due, but hopefully he will. Yeah. All right, Lakina, last story for today's episode. Um, going back to Russell Westbrook, now the member of the Washington Wizards. Um, this comes to our good friends at Awful Announcing. Russell Westbrook producing basketball-related film on L.A.'s Crenshaw neighborhood. Why not the name of the film? will follow a high school basketball star who discovers opportunities in the tech industry. The article uh, starts off by saying that Russell Westbrook is continuing to use his name and resources to help produce untold stories for a wider audience. Westbrook was, a, was an executive producer on Tulsa Burning, the 1921 Race Massacre, a documentary that aired on the History Channel over Memorial Day weekend to note the 100th anniversary of one of the American history's worst events of racial violence. Black citizens' homes and businesses in Tulsa, Tulsa Oklahoma's Greenwood District were attacked by mobs of white residents, resulting in the deaths of more than 300 people. Uh, another history note relating to that event, if you remember Charlie Wilson and the Gap Band, uh, in 1983 hit, You Dropped a Bomb on Me, he referenced that because that band is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, he referenced uh, the, uh, the tragedies of, of Black Wall Street. It's not a love song. It's not just a dance record, but it's a historical uh, record that's well referring to Black Wall Street at that time. But back to the article. Up next for Westbrook will be a documentary for on the Los Angeles uh, Crenshaw neighborhood in the efforts to direct um, privileged youth to technology, education, and opportunities. Titled Why Not, the short film follows a top high school basketball player who learns about what the tech industry can do for young people in his community. 
Both uh, the neighborhood and tech opportunities for young black people are meaningful subjects for Westbrook. He grew up in Crenshaw and established the Why Not Foundation in 2012 to fund school programs focusing on computer literacy and technology for black students. In subsequent years, the foundation has expanded its outreach to help black owned businesses. And continuing here, in quote, uh, a lot of, of the youth in black and brown communities look at the tech space as almost impossible field to exist within, said Westbrook. They don't often see themselves represented at the major tech companies of the world, and they don't see it as the cool things to do. Well, why not? Westbrook is partnering uh, with Nike's Jordan brand and Sony Pictures uh, Incubation Lab to produce the short film. Sony's launched Incubation Lab last year to find non-traditional storytellers, including musicians, artists, designers, and athletes and team, team them up with writers and filmmakers to create original content. Why Not will be directed by Tevin T uh, Tavares, who, who wrote and co-produced with Lance Cameron's Holloway's Grownish. Neither an outlet nor premiere date for Why Not have not yet been announced. Lakina, let me just say something here. I know that Many athletes get uh, the headlines of doing negative stuff that we talk about it uh, from sunup to sundown. We talk about it way too much, in my opinion. But someone that's doing good has always been doing good within the community. Such as stars like Russell Westbrook should get more shine. I know that uh, he was one of the uh, uh, celebrities that um, spoke out of, of the late rapper Nipsey Hussle's death because Nipsey Hussle grew up in the same neighborhood as Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook was doing the same things that the late Nipsey Hussle was doing in terms of economic empowerment within the black community. And uh, this is one of the many ways uh, to do it. Uh, this is something that Russell is, is passionate about. And I'm definitely going to be looking forward to this project whenever it comes out. Yeah, this is definitely a pet pot project for for Westbrook. Yeah, like you said, he he grew up in the Crenshaw area, so and I think that that's I think people want to see more like positive representation of you know black and brown, you know, especially in the black and brown communities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you know I think people want to see that more. And I think that's also that's always a good thing you know to to see a, a positive you know positive influence, positive. Um, showcase of you know the black and brown communities and, it, and it's, mm -hmm. it's a, you know, i think people are seeing it now i think hollywood's realizing it now that look we don't want to see you know black mm -hmm. and brown folks don't want to see themselves selling drugs or you know prostituting mm -hmm. and you know being you know workers and things you know like cleaning cleaning you know you know, you know being maids and people and stuff mm -hmm. like that so i think people want to see you know more you know be college educated or have their own businesses mm -hmm. and i think Look, at sometimes you got to make your own, and that's what exactly what yeah. Russell Westbrook's doing. So he's doing, and I look, I commend him for it. And look, he's becoming kind of look. LeBron, you know, is doing a lot of similar things with his production company. A lot of the top players are doing things with mm -hmm. their, you know, you know, sorry, real production companies. So look, I, I commend him for it, and I think look, this should be talked about more. It won't, but unfortunately, but you know, I think this is sort we'll of do our best here to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do our best here to kind of showcase the positive things that some of these star athletes are doing. Yeah, given the age that we're in right now, look at what we're doing here through our podcast in, in Zoom for our visual um, visual content that you can watch here on YouTube at War Media. Mm -hmm. But, you know, during this age of social media, there's really no excuse. I know the players and the celebrities you just mentioned, they have more money and resources behind them. But still, you can create your own content. You don't have to wait for those or wait for those quote-unquote big 
big companies or stars uh, to uh, or beg for them to produce stuff. You know, you could do it yourself. You build a big enough audience and you have back it behind you. Those people will take notice, notice because let's be honest here, Lakini, it's all about money uh, with those movie studios, as we know at the end of the day anyway. But with athletes like what Russell Westbrook is doing, he's leaving more of an impact of, of the stories that people that, that – the stories that people want is need to see and want to hear. And so I commend that young man for it. Yeah. And I think and people like him. Well, yeah. And I think also too, I think that it helps that because of the fact that you have, there are all different avenues you, people can do it now. People, you don't have to, like you mm-hmm. said, they, you've got Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and you know, sort of what we're doing here. I mean, you know, we don't have to wait for sort of like the top, you know, those, those top, you know, studios. Now, if you get a big enough audience and those, you know, big studios do notice you, hey, even mm-hmm. better. But again, you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about, you know, having, you know, waiting for them to kind of call you. You can kind of like do your own and then they can, and they can call, and they can call you if, if they, you know, if they feel it's Dean and especially if it's very successful. Yeah. And that's where we are in this uh, stage of social media and the stage in our world today. So there's no excuse to do what you want to do. Like what we're doing now, just, you know, talking sports and other issues. And so that's what, that's what, what we're doing. So hopefully it gives inspiration to other people to do the same thing, do better than us. And so, you know, th- there's no excuse if you want to uh, do, uh, uh, do things like this and, and make an impact. All right, Lakina, another successful show. Uh, you've been listening to Sega City Sports. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to quickly. I'm just looking forward to watching uh, both the baseball teams here in town, here in Chicago, with the Cubs and Sox. Of course, the, the White Sox are uh, taking on the Tampa Bay Rays as we speak on the South Side. Uh, a quick note: starting today, you can go to the White Sox website. Their tickets are available. They're on sale for the uh, for the remaining home games for the rest of the season. So you can go to their website wherever you get tickets. You know, go buy tickets because this after the uh, after this home home short home stand against Tampa Bay, they'll return home on Friday, Jan, uh, Jan, not January, good grief, uh, June 25th to face the Seattle Mariners. They'll be at uh, uh, full capacity then. Folks, this White Sox team is good. Go buy your tickets. They're go, they're on sale right now at their website. Wherever you get your tickets, make sure you buy tickets to go see the White Sox. Uh, they'll be available to 100% capacity. This team needs your support. Uh, they have already had eight uh, capacity sales so far this year. I've been to five games so far this year. It's a fun time. You want to go see the White Sox play? There's no more excuses. They're open now. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> you, you'll actually be able to get tickets to starting next week. So they're going to be 100% full. So make sure you guys check it out. I'm looking forward to, you know, both the Cubs and the White Sox. Also the NBA playoffs, also the Euros. You got, you know, France and Germany are playing as we speak. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, excuse me, while I'll be watching the rest of that match. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, look, like I said before, I mean, you got NF, the NFL, they're doing their OTAs right now or their mandatory, you know, training camps or man- mandatory it, voluntary uh, training camps, as Keyshawn would say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's good. There's, look, there's still a lot of stuff, you know, going on. We're kind of getting to sort of like, you know, we're going into summer now. We're seeing, you know, all types of things going on. So, there's still, look, there's still a lot of sports to watch, people. So, you just got to – something that can tie you over until, you know, football whenever starts. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kingdom McGee on the Twitter and at Kingdom McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, or 
with the video versions dropping every Monday and Friday, once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media, once again at WARR Media. You go find our audio version of this podcast. It drops every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Once again, that's at W-A-R-R Media. For Lakina, I'm Sid. You've been listening to Second City Sports. We'll catch you on our next episode for the weekend. Until then, take care. Till next time, holla. <laughs> All right, I'm supposed to say that. Ah, ah, ah. Holla. Holla. <laughs>